When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Adam Jones and Tony Scott as we are now right in the thick of pre-season. We will look back at Wednesday night's game with Berry, look ahead to the back-to-back games in Portugal this week, and, of course, as ever, talk transfers. Welcome, gents. Uh, good afternoon to you both. Um, we'll start with Berry. Tony, a 1-1 draw against a League 2 club. It was tough going for Everton, um, and certainly in comparison, tough tough going when you reflect on the walkover that was ATV earning at the weekend. Was that exactly what Everton needed, even though you know anybody watching would have would have been able to pick some holes in the performance? Yeah, I think it's exactly what Everton needed, considering what we had the, the week before. In terms of fitness, that's what pre-season's about. I know it's, he's there to look at players and obviously first impressions are, are crucial at this stage of his um, Everton career, but it's about fitness and that does us in good stead, I imagine, because in terms of fitness for them, I think Berry kick off their, their campaign in two weeks' time against Yeovil. So they're basically two or three weeks ahead of Everton in terms of fitness, so that was crucial for Everton to get that on board. Listen, there's a lot of negatives and positives to if you look on performances, if you're picking holes and formations, etc. But what it's about for me, that game was about fitness and playing a team who are by far fitter than Everton at the moment. Ad, give me the one major positive of Wednesday night and the one major negative in terms of performance. Uh, I think the most surprising performance for me was probably Kevin Morales. I think he. He really looked up for it. Which actually, we probably shouldn't be surprised about it because <laughs> he's trying to impress impress a new manager, obviously. And I'm sure Tony's got a lot of views on that, which Definitely we'll get to it. in a bit. <laughs> but yeah, I thought I thought he he looked strong. He was direct. He was fast. He was energetic. He was throwing himself into challenges. I thought he played really particularly well in terms of like a bad performance. I, I'm, or maybe I'm, it was yeah. something. Or maybe it was something that. The team didn't do what you were looking to see, rather than maybe an individual yeah, performance. I think it, I think it was something that you picked up on in your analysis. It was like the lack of pressing in, at certain times, like in certain areas. I think we pressed in patches, as you said after yeah. after the game, and I think we really need to keep that up consistently for a whole ninety minutes. It just doesn't work if you're just only doing it for like ten minute spells in a yeah. game. Like, and obviously, I think when we come towards the end of pre-season we might see that a bit more when the players are a bit fitter as you say Tony so may- maybe that's just something to work on for Marco Silva I agree with Adam there the, the thing that stood out for me is that your midfield's got to press and you, you can you can symbolise Tom Davis with that full of energy in your face but and I see to get on the lads back but Morgan Schneider for me he just looked laboured and sluggish and I know it's pre-season but if you're going to impress a new manager and you're worthy of a stay at this football club, you've got to show straight away that the intensity's there from the off. Now, I know we were playing a team that were a lot fitter than us, as we just said, but to that goal, the free kick come from him with a lazy tackle, and then I just got to the ball too, very, very quick, and it was just like a laboured, half-hearted tackle. Oh, all right, then I'll get on with it. And he's lucky to be not be booked, by the way. 
Cross comes into the box, and next to me, Everton don't clear the lines. Ball gets put through again, and a concern for me more than anything is that this this goal had nothing to do with fitness. It was to do with flat-footed defending from Michael Keane and Phil Jagielka. One little chest through the box, Phil Jagielka and Michael Keane are looking at offsides. It's not given, Dan slots it in. That's a concern for me, Phil. That's that's not fitness. That's just being flat-footed mm. and not having a pacey defender at the back there. So that could happen in December. If you're playing high, not high line, but two flat-footed defenders, Jagielka's coming to the end of his career. We get that. Michael Keane isn't blessed with pace. So it's critical now that Marco Silva looks at this and goes, you know what, I can't afford to that happen again because that can easily happen from now till the end of the season. Mm. Speaking of Jags, any concerns? You know, with the huge caveat that it is early, very early in pre-season and he's only played 45 and basically at walking pace in Austria in the second half. Any concern that he he looks a little bit off at the minute? Yeah, I've seen pictures and videos of him and he's not, he doesn't look the Phil Jagielka of old in his physique. Let's just say he looks as if he's had a good summer. He hasn't. He's not involved in international level. He's, that's it. He's had a good summer. But I think if you're look, if you're club captain and you're looking to impress your new manager, I just look to think he if he'd be in better shape. But you know what? The lad's getting on, isn't he? He's mm. not no spring chicken anymore. And we shouldn't have to be relying on thirty-seven year old defenders to get us out of jail. It's mm. not right. And there's another player there, Ashley Williams, who's in no great shape himself, in my opinion. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that defence, and I think that's the first critical call that I'm looking that I was looking at that performance there. We'll come on to speak about individuals, um, and particularly the group of individuals whose futures perhaps aren't particularly clear. There's, I think we could all name the players who look Silver wants, and we could probably name the players that Silver doesn't. But there will be a band of players in that middle bracket who aren't quite certain about what's going to happen and Marco Silva said afterwards that after this weekend when Everton go to Portugal and play back-to-back games against Lille and Porto he will have to start making decisions I think Kevin Morales because we spoke about him earlier Adam, and we'll pick up on Kevin and, and we will speak about others so we're not, we're not picking on him per se. <laughs> I'll pick on him for you Phil <laughs> I think he does fall into that bracket doesn't he because he kept, obviously he scored his five goals in Austria so Marco gave him a start and as you said he looked lively didn't he so mm-hmm. where do you think Ultimately, after Portugal, where do you think he should he should fall? Which bracket should he fall into? Should Everton keep him, or is it time after how many years at the football club? 2012, he signed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is it time to, to to draw a line under the Kevin Morales saga, if you like? Uh, well, personally, I'd I'd side with the latter. I think there there are so many times that we think we've been fooled by Kevin Morales because he ha- he does have these like spells. Maybe sometimes they stretch to like five, six, seven games. Maybe where he'll He'll look like a world beater. Like I remember in back-to-back games, with like the season he first joined, he scored great goals against Stoke and Spurs, and we were like, "Oh, this we've got we've got a real player on our hands here." But he just never kicks on, and when he's not in form, it's not as if he's just not playing well. He's hardly even trying as well. There's so many times when we've questioned his attitude. He's looked for moves away. Like he was linked heavily with Spurs a couple of years ago. He's actively looked to move away from the club. I think even in the last few months, he, he he was spoken very openly about wanting to move back to Olympiacos. It didn't work out for him there. Is is he really going to be a, a good enough player for Everton over the next few years, considering where we want to take ourselves in the next few years? I just don't think Kevin Morales fits into that for me. So, but we can't knock the lad for wanting to impress. He's doing everything right so far, isn't he? So far. I can't knock him for that. He's having a goal, but as Adam just touched on then, name me a play in the Premier League 
that's had six managers to impress and yet failed to impress every single one of them, mm. yet he's still at the same club. Mm. He's obviously doing something to, to remain at the club then, isn't he? Because he's he's earned new contracts, he's played big parts under Moyes, Martinez, you know... He's still, he's still here. So what? He must be doing something. I think that's that's the point, isn't he? He's, like, he's got he's got that quality that can just win you a game out of out of thin air. Like he scored an amazing goal away to Spurs. I seem to mm. remember, like outside the box, Keller. I know we didn't win the game, but mm. like still goals like that. Goals like his free kick against Aston Villa. Yeah. Was it? Like he's got that quality to just like pull something magical out of the bag and there's there's seldom few players in the Everton squad I'd argue can actually do that so so therefore you, you, we can't sell him then no Everton can sell him because he's not good enough for 38 games a season and we, we've seen it since 2012 David Moyes Roberto Martinez Ronald Koeman Sam Allard I could go on and on and on how many managers he's had and they've all given him a chance and in the end he slipped by because he's a one and six, classic one and six player. Give you a cracking game, get you off your edge of the seats, winners a game, brilliant. Kevin Morales, he's on form, crowd singing his name, blah, blah, blah. Next minute, goes missing for five games. Can't have done the Premier League, Phil. You can have them with the teams that struggle with relegation because they can take a chance on them. Not Everton. We're hoping to be in the mix for top six. So we can't, you can't house players like that unless they are. The, the likes of a, a Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi, players that will win you nine times out of ten. He's a one and six. He's no good to anyone. Yet, I'm worried because it looks, though, the two games that we've seen from him, it looks as if he's a player. No, if Evan had just signed him, you go, who's this lad? He's a free friend. He's a decent player. Then where did they get him from? So I'm worried that Marco Silva may be looking at it and going, I'm willing to give this lad a chance. But if there's people within Everton, Surely to God, they're going to give him a nudge and go, listen, lad, this lad's got five chances here. As if Marco Silva's been around the block, he's not naive enough to be fooled into into not knowing Kevin's background, if you like, or recent form, I think he's fair to say, rather than, because mm-hmm. obviously he was very good for, for a couple of seasons, wasn't he? But he's, you know, he'd be very fair to say his form's been patchy since. Marco's not naive enough to have not take that into consideration, right? No, I think I think he will have had a fair idea of what Kevin Morales was all about when he came into Everton and I think it's it's fair enough that he is giving him his chance to, to try and impress him at least. But he's just got to take into consideration what, what has come before him. Like I don't think I, I don't think you can just ignore like the the seasons that have that have got just gone past. Like yes he is in good form at the minute, but just his his history suggests that he's just not going to be able to keep this form going. Like even into the first couple of games of the season, I'd argue he'd probably he'd probably fall off. I'll off make a point again. Sorry, Adam. Yeah. I'll make a point. Does Kevin, Kevin Morales get into any of the teams that we're looking to finish above next season? No. No. It does even get anywhere near the squads. Of fact, does he get in the Burnley squad? Possibly. Yeah, there's an argument for that. Yeah, I think mm. I think I think you could say he does, does get. Does he get in any of the top six? No, no, he doesn't. No. So why should we be housing him? Mm. That we're looking to better ourselves. We're not looking to be better than the rest. We're looking to get in that top six. So if we're looking to it, we've got to be looking at players of the top six ilk. And I know we can't attract players who play you know, playing the Champions League and offer them big money like that. But in terms of quality, we've got to be looking at that, and that's my point. I think if Marco Silva and Marcel Brands are wanting to promote the youth that's in the club, I'd be really disappointed if Morales was getting chances over, say, Luchman or Vlasic oh, next season, to be honest. I couldn't I'd, much ra- I'd much rather see them given their opportunity to impress. Like they, These are players who haven't really had the chance to impress yet at Everton. Kevin Morales has had yeah. countless opportunities, and I think if we can cash in on him now, I think now's the right time, definitely. 
Well, that neatly brings me on, I thank you very much, to Nikola Vlasic, <laughs> because Everton go to Portugal this weekend, as we mentioned, in the Yaga Football Club. Back-to-back games, Saturday, Sunday, Lille up first, and then Porto on Sunday. So, for the first time this summer, top-tier, top-level, if you like, opposition in terms of... Um, from their respective leagues and so I think the expectation is particularly what Marco said he will separate the wheat from the chaff if you like and make the decisions on the plays he might not quite be certain on we spoke about Kevin Morales falling into that bracket Nikola Vlasic toe what do you do with Nikola Vlasic where does Nikola Vlasic fit into a Marco Silva Everton team where does Nikola Vlasic fit himself into any kind of position I think that's well, the concern that's, for him. That's the thing. What is position? What is his? What yeah. is his place? I think that's a worry for him. He's not a winger. He's not a centre midfielder. He's not a number ten. Actually, what is he? And I think in this day and age in the Premier League, days gone by where you could play a Phil Neville role or a Jagielka and playing. You can be very, very versatile. Premier League these days, you've got to identify, identify yourself in a position and make it your own. And I'm struggling to find a position for him. And a is he good enough to play in that position? B, is he worthy? Is another player for you? I look at it, I go, does he get into any of the top six teams? No, he doesn't get anywhere near the squads. So, I, I give it that. He, he hasn't been given a crack at the first crack of the whip. I get that. Seven but, Premier League starts last season, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. as, I, he hasn't been given a chance. I get that. I take that on board. But in terms of what I've seen, he's got really good ability, close control, keeps the ball on his feet well, neat and tidy. But he needs to nail down a position. And if he's quite versatile... It's like the Kieran Zahl situation, isn't it? If he, mm. the, you can't you can't put a position down to him. I think that's the problem Everton have got. There's a numerous amount of plays like that. I think you've got to got to make yourself known in a position, perform on it, and then give Marco Silva a problem. I think that's the worry that Vlasic has got. Adam Vlasic came on uh, on the left wing mm. on Wednesday night. If we started the season with our left wing options as Luckman and Vlasic as his backup, are you comfortable with that? If, if they play to the top of their potential, I would say yes. But like with them being such young players, you you really can't guarantee that. So I think on balance, I'd I'd, I'd have to say no. I'd want I'd want some sort of more like proven, experienced option to be to be in that position as well, like signing a quality player from abroad, whoever that might be. But I think in terms of Vlasic, I I, I would prefer him on the wing than in in that like number ten role. I think I think Ronald played him pretty much everywhere, didn't he? Yeah, he played. If, I remember he played, he played him deep in one would you game. Say yeah, got, would you say he's got Arsenal the pace? Home, yeah. Yeah, would you say he's got the pace to play on the wing? Well, I think that, so. well, that's my problem. I don't think he does. I think over five yards he can beat a man because, as we've said, he's mm. got he's got ability. This lad, but has he got pace to go the extra ten or fifteen to get to the byline? Mm. I don't see it personally. I mean, when you look at Liverpool and they've got Salah and Mane and everybody, they've got pace. All the top teams have, haven't they? Mm. And the upper end of the pitch, I look at Vlasic at them. He's quite stocky built and slow, isn't he? As you said, Phil, he probably could beat the odd man and come inside and have a bit of a ticky here and there. But to be a winger, you have to be lightning fast or top-notch, like what we've got in the other wing with Walcott. And especially as we believe how Marco wants to play as well. Yeah, of course. Mm. And we, we've seen it with those whole sides. They've, they've got penetrations on the wings. And I, I just don't think Vlasic... He may be a little decent player to have around, but as I touch on again, I don't want to harp on about it. Is it, does he get in any of the teams above us? No, he doesn't. Does he, Adam, try and position himself as the backup at number ten behind Sigurdsson? Well, does he try and does he try and, and put pressure on Kieran Dowell? Yeah, I was going to say there's a position there and go look, look, Gaffer. I've played Premier League football. You know, I've I've had twelve games in the Premier League. I've scored in Europe. Mm. 
I'm more I'm ahead of, of Dowell in, as a number ten. You can rely on me more. I mean, you can't you can't argue that he's ahead of Dowell. He he was in the Croatian national team picture just before the World Cup, wasn't he? He missed out. He ends up missing out on their squad, but you know he's 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 one of their most exciting youngsters before before he came to Everton. Maybe it's stalled a little bit for whatever reason, but. I, st- I still think he's a really exciting talent, and if he wants to go for that number ten position, as as you've both been saying, like he's got he's got that ability to be able to beat a man. He's scored goals for Everton before. I think he's a really exciting talent, and I I, I do hope that he's given the chances to progress this season. Because if he if he's not going to get them chances, then uh, maybe a loan move might be, be better for him somewhere. Like. I'm not sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, of course, and, and Newcastle United today have been linked with uh, approaching Everton over taking Vlasic on loan. So when you when you take a step back, it's take almost well nearly getting on for twelve months now. Where do you think Everton viewed Vlasic playing when we bought him late in August last year? I think they viewed him as a winger. Yes, where he played against he, us was yeah, yeah. when we when we played them in the Europa League. I think they've looked at him now and he's thinking, yeah, he's a very good footballer. But don't forget in them games when you're playing the Europa League, Phil, you've been there yourself and you go into these countries and it's all helter-skelter. It's like school schoolboy stuff, isn't it? Everyone's in your face. But playing over 38 games and obviously intensity Premier League games, they're totally different. You can't last that pace. And you can look at players, and this is obviously goes down to our scouting and what we bought last season. Someone looks a cracking player in the Europa League and they, they're giving you a really good hammering. But when they're playing in the Premier League and you're obviously Christmas away somewhere down south and it's horrible and it's miserable and it's wet and it's cold and someone's got the gloves on, they don't want to get the foot in, that's when you see the difference. And I don't think the likes of Latic was bought in for that. I just think he stood out in a game for against us, looked pretty tricky on the ball. And they thought, you know what, he looks a little winger for us here, let's see how he does. They put him in and they haven't, they haven't done their own work on him, basically. He's a good little footballer, don't get me wrong, got ability. But I don't think he's Premier League level, and I think that's the difference. It does, and um, we hope that he, you know he does find his position at Everton. And as we've said, you know he's, he's a really talented player. But on you know in retrospect, and him not being able to find a home, if you like, in, in the starting eleven, and as we've discussed, it does kind of make you feel like Everton reacted mm. to seeing him. Mm. They heard about him, but then they saw him in action and went, you know what, for ten million quid, we can afford to have a go at this lad. This lad. And, and, and gamble, and, and and you know we're going to try and buy young players, and you know what, we'll see what happens. Mm. I think it's probably one of the more understated bits of business that we did last summer. Yeah. Like ever, ever, everyone's jumped in on, you know, like the Michael Keynes and the Davy Classens who cost big money and probably didn't didn't really hit the ground running. I think Vlasic is pretty similar in that respect. He cost big money for the player that he was, like the young player. Like he still has a lot to, a lot of development to do, and. I think, as you've both said there, it 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 does does sound like whoever, whoever scouted them, like Cumin, Walsh, whoever, whoever, just haven't really done all that much homework on him, and it is a bit of a shame. But let's hope, let's hope he can just prove everyone wrong. How old is he, Phil? Do you know roughly? Uh, still twenty or twenty-one. Twenty, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So look, he's he's a he's a baby, isn't he? Mm. But I, th- I think it, obviously it's been an answer for him because Wayne Rooney's left, so there is a little bit of a number ten gap there for us, but. I'd rather see someone come in who's a, a proper number ten who can create. Mm. It, he may be able to create the odd pass, and I look at I look at Everton's team. Uh, apart from Gilfie Sigurdsson, we're going to struggle to create anything next season, and I think that's a concern. Will Vlasic be the backup for that? I wouldn't be happy if that's the case personally. I'd rather see a young creative player who's proven in the Premier League 
all abroad who consistently creates chances on the, on on a basis that what we need because we've got wingers. Obviously, he's, he needs a left winger, of course, and he's got Walcott on one side. You can have Sigurdsson in the other. If Sigurdsson's injured or suspended, we need someone to come in who's going to create a lot of chances for us. So apart from Wayne Rooney last season, we struggled to create anything. So I think that's a concern for Everton. Rooney's gone now. Sigurdsson's the main man in there. We're going to have to. He needs back up. Mm-hmm. Again, based on the um, assumption, and well, not assumption because Marco said it, that he wants two players for, for every position. He wants that competition. As it stands, looking at the way Marco has changed his teams in the opening two pre-season games of, of the summer, the backup to the all-important number six, which currently looks like Morgan Schneidlin, the backup at the minute is Mo Besic. Now, we've talked about Vlasic falling into that category of will he stay or won't he stay, and Morales as well. Where does Besic fall? <sighs> It, it, can, can, Everton, I, can Everton afford to let him go as it stands because other than Schneidlin who plays number six now park your feelings on Besic as a number six for the minute in terms of actual somebody who, who said well actually I can play that position can we allow him to leave I think, I'd think i say no as it currently stands I think my opinion changes on Besic every week like, I think I Personally, I think we sent him out on loan because we could, we just couldn't give him the amount of game time that he needed to prove himself. Like he's he's never really had a particularly good run of games at Everton. Like I think maybe first second season, yeah, he probably had his his best spell. I think his best spell probably came around that uh, first leg against Man City in uh, 2016. Was it? Yeah, 2016? yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. He played a big part in a certainly in a league game, nil nil. I remember. He was, yeah, he yeah. was good in that yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, sorry, he, carry on. I mean, he won he won Player of the Month that month. Like mm-hmm. I think that was probably the highlight of his Everton career. But then, obviously, injuries have taken the toll over the last couple of seasons. And I think we just sent him out to Middlesbrough to prove himself a little bit. And I think I think he's he's excelled there. He's done yeah. he's done everything that he needed to do. Like there was a lot of talk that Middlesbrough might be signing him until the went and bought uh, Paddy McNair from Sunderland instead. So he, he has shown impressive form, but the problem is it was a championship level. And there's still the doubt there of whether whether he can perform that number six role for me on the Premier League stage. I'm, I'm still, the, the jury's still out, but I think, as you say, Lee, as the situation as it currently stands, we've got no other backup. We can't afford to let him go. So if you're Besic, as much as you're taking any opportunity you might be given by Silva in pre-season, are you not actually trying to say to the manager, I can actually do a better job next to the number six? Currently... Next to Idris Agana guy. Well, no, in that position, because as it, as it looks at the minute, and we're just basing it on two on two games, Silva's playing, four at the back, two, Schneidlin being one, and somebody with legs next to him, it's been Tom Davis from the start, mm. the number ten has pushed forward, and then you've got your front three. Is Besic not actually more suited to being the guy next to Schneidlin? Is that not where his Everton career could be saved? I, I think there's, I think there's numbers there that are blocking him. I think Beningaby can play there. James McCarthy went fit, so there is numbers there ahead of him. I prefer Tom Davis more because he's more advanced and he'll look for a forward pass. And I know Besic. When he gets the ball, he runs around and then he could give a two-yard ball and he just give it away. But then he win it back again and then go sideways. It's very rarely you see him 
go forward with the ball and advance. He'll just win it and then go side to side. And we've had enough of that, haven't we, Phil, over the years? We need players who want to have drive and energy. And I think he's got that message. But has he got that killer pass in his locker to play alongside Morgan Sliden or a another? Me, personally, I prefer a just a Ghana guy in with Tom Davis. If we're not going to sign anyone. If it was out of my way, I'd get rid of Schneiderlin tomorrow and bring Loftus-Cheek in. I think Loftus-Cheek would be absolutely ideal for Everton Football Club. Where, where would you play him? i play him in the middle of the park. Middle of the park next to just a Ghana guy. And you could have Tom Davis in there as well. So you've got three decent players there in your midfield too. You can do all bits of varieties of that job. I think the players, Morgan Schneiderlin, attitude problem again... I just worry about the players that Marco Silva's given chances to who we've seen. I think Besic is coming to that category, Schneiderlin. We've touched on Morales, haven't we? Vlasic. Listen, we're all Evertonians and we, we, we've seen this happen before where players have had a little bit of a go for a new manager and next minute, you know, transfer deadline shut and they're sitting there then till the end of the season or at least till January and they're running through, they're just going through the mill, aren't they? So we can't afford to have this and this is the concern is that we don't want players to pull the wool over the manager's eyes here. We don't want because we've seen it so often with Roberto Martinez, David Moyes, Ronald Koeman, Allardyce, even Unsworth to a certain extent. We've seen it all before and we can't let it happen again. So this is why fans are a little bit not unhappy, but they're a little bit restless and frustrated because they don't want to they don't want this to happen again. Players not bluffing, that's the wrong word to say, but doing exactly what they've done before. And I think that's the major concern with these fringe players. Just doing enough, but add if if that is the case and some players are, are doing enough and maybe clouding the manager's judgment, if you like, as to how we would see things, will this weekend actually expose p- performances and abilities and where players are actually at better than anything that's gone before so far? Yeah, I think it probably will. Like two two matches in two days shouldn't really be understated, should it? Like everybody's gonna get a significant amount of m- more playing time than they have so far in pre-season. So. Um, as, as as we've mentioned before, we're playing against much better opposition this weekend. If the, if you're making mistakes now, if you're not putting a hundred percent effort in, you're gonna get found out definitely this weekend. So I'm, I'm I'm not sure that we should be worried about the wool being pulled over Marco Silva's eyes. To be honest, I think he'll have done his research. He, he knows he knows the squad that he's come in and took over here. Like he he knows the position that we were in last season, and I think just just from seeing. You know, Kevin Morales run past a couple of Austrian farmers isn't going to convince them to. Hey, not easy that. <laughs> <laughs> it convinced them to start against Berry, though, didn't it? And it, it'll probably convince them to play in the Algarve Cups. Who else would have started against Berry, though? Yeah, and, and you know, look, playing Sandro Ramirez. Well, you know, just just devil's advocate. Him starting against against Berry at a gig lane on Wednesday was that not a reflection of all right? Go and show me now. I've got my doubts about you, but you, I'm going to give you a chance to show, prove me wrong. Is that not what every manager should do in that situation? He should do, but surely to God he's been watching him. Yeah. Over, and be, we all know Marco Silva as well. Before he signed on the dotted line, he must have been watching Evan. He must have been watching all the lads on loan before he got this job. So he'll have seen his performances for Olympiacos when he went on loan. So he's not soft. But this is what I'm. This is the concern: is that if he plays well in the Algarve Cup. Next minute, he's starting against Wolves, and you're going, what's this on the opening day of the season? Is this 2012 again, where Kevin Morales is on the on the left-hand side of midfield? Throws the odd good cross in, that's it. The arms are up in the air, and the attitude problem again. And you know, there we go, back again, six manager. And we're in no situation where we can go forward. <laughs> the conversation has come back to Kevin, as it does. But, but, 
That's Adam there. But here's one for you then. We'll stay with it because it's interesting. Clearly, Michael Silva wants the full-backs to be heavily involved in attacking. So far, we've seen that the instruction is when the midfield get the ball from the centre of defence, Bainesy and Coleman, get on your bike, basically. Mm-hmm. Get wide and get on your bike. Now, if you're Marco Silva and you're thinking, Bainesy's looking sharp, he's a really good player here, and I think he's going to be really important still, despite the fact that we know we've got to replace him long term. I need somebody on that side who's experienced and can bring him into play. Now, Luckman is a, is a fabulous young talent, but naturally he will, he will be up and down this season. I think that's fair to say, isn't mm-hmm. it? Is Kevin Morales not just a steady Eddie backup? Adamola needs a couple of weeks out. Kevin Morales knows Baines, knows the position. He can play to instruction. He can bring Baines into the game. This is exactly what we need. You're playing devil's advocate here, aren't you, Phil? I just can't. I can't make a case for him to even. I know what you mean. It's mm. the steady Eddie type of player that you want. He's Premier League proven. He'll do a job. But Everton are looking for players who are more capable of just doing a job. We're going to need players who can. My worry is, Phil, first and foremost, is the left-back situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if I was to ask any use to here, would you say that Leighton Baines has got 38 games in him next season? Well, no, I, I think left-back should be priority for Everton. I totally agree, yeah. to, totally agree. Completely. I think, obviously, Baines' track record with with injuries in the past couple of seasons, you'd have to say he won't play 38. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he looks sharp at the minute. Yeah. And he's clearly still got a lot of quality. Um, I think Everton won't be rushed even though this is a problem that should have been addressed moons ago, yeah. they won't pay over the odds for, for the heir to the throne, so to speak, because they feel that, that Leighton is still a, a top-quality left-back. But, as you say, so, what happens when he gets injured? Do they play, They put their faith, as it stands, in Anthony Robinson? A lot of admiration for Anthony Robinson, well thought of at the football club, come off a good season alone at Bolton. Is he ready to step in? Do we have to try? Is that why Marco's here? Give youth a chance if needed. He can't play Cuco Martina there. I don't think Cuco Martina will beat the football yeah. club. I, he, he, if Leighton Baines, I worry if he gets injured. I really worry because it's not just you're missing the top quality footballer, by the way, going forward. It's what he brings to the, the whole of the team as well, from set pieces going forward. Now, this Robinson kid, is he... He's nowhere near Leighton Baines, is he? So, Everton, whoever Everton bring in right now is going to be if not, better than Leighton Baines, because that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be looking for players who are just to play an understudy. You need someone to challenge Leighton Baines. That's mm-hmm. the whole point of it. So, that I, I can't believe we're sitting here after, what, two years when we, we know Leighton Baines has not been on the way in so to such, but he's come to the tail end of his career. He's not going to be playing 38 games a season, including cup competitions, so he needs help. We've seen what happened last season when Kuka Martina was drafted in. Before you knew it, Seamus Coleman was injured and then John Joe Kenny's there playing right back. I think John Joe Kenny's more than a capable understudy to Seamus Coleman, by the way. Yes. But on the left-hand side, I worry big time. And a left-back has got to come in here before the transfer window. It's got to happen. It's amazing that we could have been having this exact same conversation like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, we haven't yeah. had an understudy yeah. for Leighton Baines for years. Yeah, if podcasts were big in 2008, yeah. you would be saying the same thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. 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 Yes. And that, it is a worry. And obviously the centre-back situation, which I've uh, mentioned before on the top end, mm. we need a pacey centre-back. Indeed. Uh, one player who looks like he is definitely staying at the football club, he is in the plans of Marco Silva, is... Big Umani ass. <laughs> um, I mean, incredible story, Adam. Um, mm. How a player who you know, I'm sure, you know, I, I I freely admit I wrote off early on, didn't see it, thought there was not a player there, thought mm. we'd made a massive rick. 
still rough around the edges, of course, but his 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 persistence and his attitude and his refusal to give up is exceptional. And Michael confirmed to me on Wednesday night uh, at Berry that he's absolutely in his plans. He offers something different and will be in the squad this season. Can't guarantee him starting places, but he will be involved. Is that the right call? Uh, on the face of it, I'd probably say yes. I think, I think attitude was the key word there. I think he's just been exemplary. I think I, w- I was one of the f- many who thought that he was probably one of the worst signings the club has ever made. Like when he in those first few months that he was playing for us, because he, he he was putting in some shocking performances there. Let's let's be quite honest. But his commitment to just wanting to get back and playing for Everton was the main thing. Like he. Went and went and did the under twenty threes thing. He went and didn't have a locker. He went on loan to Hull, obviously where Marco first saw him, and he just battled his way back into this squad. And he does offer something different. He's so unconventional. I think we saw it multiple times against Berry. Just the <laughs> the way the, the way he's just so tenacious. Like when when there's a bouncing ball, there's a defender in Umanias. I'd always back <laughs> me ass to I, somehow come out with it. I actually wonder in a kind of crazy way that defending against Nias is a nightmare because you don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> well, he doesn't. Well, that's the point, <laughs> isn't it? So if, if you're if you're a, a Premier League defensive coach and you try to uh, prepare your your centre halves for the game and well they might play Nias or they might bring him on. All right, Gaffer, what's he going to do? No idea. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, there's an argument to say well let him have the ball as because. In the end, if his first touch is awful and it'll bounce off someone and go out for a throw-in. But, but he'll chase I, you down. Oh, yeah, he'll chase you down and work hard, but Phil, you can go and get 40,000 people out to some Park. <laughs> That's going to chase you down. Listen, I, I get what Umani has done. It's determination, it's passion. I can't fault any of that. And I, I'm all for, if he wants to come off the bench and give us 10 minutes or something, I'm, I'm fully in agreement to that. But is he where we want to get to? Nowhere near it. He's not nowhere near a centre forward that Everton are looking for to, to to get us into that. We look, we, we want Champions League, we want Europa League at least. We want to win a cup. Is Umani asked the answer? Right. No, he's not. So that's I why I, so that's why we bought Jenk Tosin, though, isn't it? So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Speaking a minute, so that's why we bought Jenk Tosin. Is is Umani asked though, in terms of impact subs? I'm taught, as you say, last 10, 15, 20, the game is not going anywhere near our way. Has he not proven that as an impact sub, he's actually up there? To make an impact, yeah. I think if you if you're looking in terms of ten minutes to go and defenders are obviously look flagging, looking for a bit of help, go your channels and new man the ass will get you a corner and get you a throw. That's exactly what you want. Listen, if he has a conversation with the ass and he's going to have a conversation with a lot of players, as you've said, Phil, and if he said to him, "Yeah, you'll be in my match day squad," but listen, if we're getting to a point where Tosin's injured and the ass is starting and we're playing Southampton on the opening on the uh, first opening game of the season at home. Then we're struggling. We're struggling big time, and that's 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 the alarm bells for me. Is that we can pick out an half decent eleven here between the three of us, but it's beyond that. And he's going on about two plays for each position. Niasi is good if you, as I just touched on Phil, ten minutes ago, try and get an equaliser or time, keep hold of a one nil win. He's not the answer if you're starting games, and if we're Everton want to be, he's nowhere near the answer. Mm. No, I do agree with that. I think the impact sub though is the is the main thing for me. I think any team. Who wants to be successful? You know, push it, pushing for those like top four, top six trophies. Like, you need to have some sort of plan B on the bench for when things aren't going your way. And I think Nias is probably a perfect example of that for us. Like, multiple times last season, he came off the bench and he was scoring, you know, the big goals like that one against Watford that like 
pulled us straight back into that game. And two against Bournemouth. Two against Bournemouth, like yeah. the first ones particularly started off that move and I thought that was a really quality goal. I think the one against West Ham, uh, last game of the season. That's, that's a quality that's a quality finish. I forgot that. about that game to be honest. That's <laughs> probably about. probably for the best. <laughs> so Umar is for the majority of his Everton career had something had a point to prove, had to try and prove people wrong. So what what kind of play will he be, Tony? With actually, for the first time, other than Unzi, who really, really got to like him, having worked with him at 23s and, you know, was full of praise for him during his, his caretaker spell. But for the first time, the permanent manager of Everton Football Club really has, has, has gone on, gone out and publicly said he's in the squad, he's part of my plans. It was a confident Umani ass walking into Finch Farm yesterday. I think that's the concern for me is that Marco Silva's came in and he knows what Nias is about because he has him a hull. So he's come in and he's thought, well, I know what he's about, so let's see what else is here before I obviously tell him about his future. So he's come in and he's gone, arguably there's nothing else better than yet apart from Jenk Tosin. Calvert-Lewin, they may be an argument for him. He's but been injured though, hasn't exactly. he? Exactly. So going forwards, he's probably thinking, it's Tosin and a Tim. I've probably got a budget to spend. I need a left-back, I need a centre-back and probably a left-winger. So I haven't got a bit of a budget to spend on a second-string striker. So... I may as well play my cards close to my chest here and say, do you know what, I'll keep him happy, keep him sweet, bring him off the bench and he'll do a job. So I get the argument that he will be a, a confidence man he asks who's going to be... Listen, I think he's he's not the type of player that, because he's got... Not a payment, because he knows his place and the and the manager's given the back end. I don't think he's the type of player to down tools mm. and, 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 and have all that. We've seen it with other players. I think Nias, he plays with a smile on his face. He loves he loves Everton, doesn't he? He loves that kind of um, atmosphere that he gets at Goodison Park. And I feel as if he'll, he he won't change Nias. He's he's that determined character that will run through a brick wall for you. And that's what you need in in some aspects. But you've got to have more than that, Phil. You can't just have a team of runabouts just chasing shadows. He's actually then the the answer to to that question, if you like, to what actually is built around centre forward. Now, if you look at I mean, at very, very basic levels, if you look at Silver's team at Watford, he signed Andre Gray. Now, Andre Gray isn't prolific, but he works, he socks off, does the, does the dirty work, sacrifices himself for the team. Hull, he had in the ass. That's what the ass did, mm-hmm. sacrificed himself for the team. And either side of those players, pace and power and bringing, every, and bringing runners in. So, in fact, is the ass staying because he offers that? Calvert-Lewin will offer that. Cenk mm-hmm. Tosin, less so, but obviously we know what he can do in the box. So actually, as those three striker options, is, this, is, the, is the role of the front man less important under a Marco Silva team? And actually, it's the people around him who are going to do the magic. I, I, I could see that argument, yeah, but it, it's just getting those people around him. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure we've necessarily got those kind of options around him to, like, make, to make it his position less important I think at the minute we need somebody who's a bit more like Cenk Tosin up front someone who's going to be contributing a lot more scoring a lot more goals because I think as as the squad stands at the minute like as Tony was saying before the lack of creativity in the in the wider areas is a bit of a worry for me like Walcott I'd, I'd back him to score a couple of goals throughout the season would I back him to get many assists probably not Luckman is going to come in unproven as is Vlasic Balassi's not in top form yet since his injury, and I think it's. I think well, it's a big season for Sigurdsson, then, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. and I think may, maybe the Nias is staying because, as you touched on before, Tony, like priorities lie elsewhere. Yeah. I think we we have just we've got to get in a left back. We've got to get in 
centre back, got to get in a winger. You'd argue maybe we need to get bring in a central midfielder as well. Like, there's 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 not a particular need. Yes, we absolutely need another striker. So I'd, I'd say, does it? Sorry, it's a good argument, Phil, because we've seen across the park what that false nine, so to speak, can do. Firmino probably does it better than anyone else in the Premier League. Yeah, he's but what he's got, he's got Salah on one side and Manny on the other. You're probably providing what 50, 60 goals between the two of them. So Everton aren't going to get 25 goals out of Walcott and 25 goals whoever's on the left hand side. So we need a player. If we if we haven't got that, well, the centre forward's got to get 25. Then mm-hmm. do a fancy toasting to get 25 next season. There's a chance if provide if we've got Sigurdsson on top of his game, yeah. a proper left sided creative player mm-hmm. on top of his game, and Walcott on top of his game, there's an argument that he could get it, but we haven't got the players around Nias to play that false nine, so to speak. So if he comes in Nias, he's going to be doing, as you just touched on, um, Phil, he's going to be doing a job for the team, not necessarily for his goals, but chasing shadows within your corner in the last minute, getting down the channel. Stretching defences. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the kind of ironic thing is, if you like, if you combine the qualities of Tosin, Nias and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you've effectively got Lukaku. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You, really? Yeah, you're you spot are. on. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you have. To be honest, it's, it's a good point. But we've got three players, and the argument is that we only should have one, and we, we should have two better backups, in my mm. opinion. Yes, the qu- can't fault the effort, but the quality very rarely there. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin, young lad, still learning his trade. I feel Calvert-Lewin, he's reached the peak now where if Nias gets ahead of him, he's going to have to go on loan and prove himself elsewhere and get 30 games a season under his belt. Calvert-Lewin played more games for Everton than anyone last season, didn't he, apparently? As well. we, had, we had to take him out of the firing line because he played that many games. He, yeah. I think he chopped, topped the charts at one point. I don't think he finished the season as number one. I think mm. he was probably Pickford and Rooney was up there. But yeah, you're right, Calvert-Lewin yeah. had played a ton of matches. And it's surprising. And he, he'd not had a summer off either, had he? He'd been with the, the under-20s for their World Cup. And I think it was... It was kind of unfair what Everton did to Calvert-Lewin at the start of the season. We effectively told him, look, you, you need to replace Romelu Lukaku for yeah. us because we, we've, we've, we've not done it. Mm. So we were playing a 21-year-old lad up front. You've done with, a job, with, by the way. He, he, I think he did a phenomenal job. Like I, I think he was one of our best players throughout the first half of the season. Mm. For his work, like that City away game especially, that was an absolutely well. fantastic performance. Like His work rate, bringing other play, players into the game. He had good, a couple of good finishes on on his hands as well. Like, I think his goal scoring record's got to book up. If he's well, going uh, to play centre forward, I think that's where your loan move like probably comes yeah. into play. Like, if he is behind the ass, then he he, he just does need where like. But it, he, he but again, minutes. Dominic is a player who sacrifices himself for the team, doesn't mm-hmm. he? This is well. This is what I'm saying. We, we we come to at the start of the podcast is that players who are playing in numerous positions. You need to nail down a position, Phil, in yeah. this day and age. You've got to. And then you, you're giving the manager an headache. You can't just say, no, if a player comes in, he, he play, he'll do a job for me right back. He'll do a job for me across the midfield. And then next week, he's just a era there. You're not, you're not classed as a serious Premier League footballer. And you're not going to take that team to the next stage unless you nail down a position. All the, all the top players in the top six teams, they all nail down a position. The reason being because they forced the manager to make a decision for them. On the flip side, though, Lee, with Everton looking to reduce squad numbers as much as possible, aren't players who can play in multiple positions going to be beneficial in that sense? No, because they need to they need to get basically get rid of as many as they can because it's right. just too far full. Mm. You know, Adam, he, we 
we haven't even talked about your classes of the world and all these. Balassi hasn't even been mentioned today. There's a loads of players there who haven't even played so far this pre-season. They get the chances, obviously injuries, etc. What about the young lads as well? You, you probably maybe a couple are doing well with the under twenty threes at the moment. You may get the nudge to silver. Do you know what they're doing well here? Get them with the first team. We've got no European football this season, so we're going to be playing Sati, Sati, Sati. There's, there's an argument to say we, we could even shift eight or nine plays before this transfer window shuts. Mm-hmm. It remains to be seen what we will do in terms of bringing players in. Um, painfully, nobody needs reminding that we've yet to make a signing. Uh, Marco Silva spoke to us on Wednesday night and he said he expected new arrivals in the coming days, or next few days, sorry, was his actual quote. Now, obviously, that's a time frame and a time scale, Adam, that would be open to interpretation, mm-hmm. but the message is clear that stuff is, is going to be happening from Marco. But anyway, whereas the noises remain that things aren't imminent yet, mm-hmm. um, will Marco be getting frustrated less than three weeks until deadline day? I, I don't think so. I think this is, as, I, as I've said, like I wrote a piece the other day saying like this is surely part of part of the plan he didn't he didn't seem particularly frustrated in 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 the quotes he seemed quite confident that he was still going to get the players in that he needed to and 3 weeks is still quite a long time like you you wouldn't it's not uncommon for a team to make four signings in 3 weeks and i think Everton are usually people who do business late in the window anyway like the transfer window go on you no, you want no, to say no, something no, seriously, do you think <laughs> do you think the minute he come through the door Part of his well, his plan was to not have a player signed up with three weeks to go today. I think to he wants dinner. to have, have a good look at the squad, though, doesn't he? He's had a good look at Adam. He, well, that's, that's why he's saying he's going to bring in players. In the but it's still days, not materialised, and we're no closer. We're no closer. Well, like, but, three that, weeks today, Man United play Leicester. But this is the problem. I ha- this is the problem I have though. Like, just because signings haven't happened yet doesn't mean they won't. No. Like that, but we I can't keep on that saying that every week, can we? We can't keep on saying four weeks, five weeks, four weeks, now three weeks. What are we going to say next week? Two weeks, no plays in the door. I, well, I you're, get you're, just, you're just presuming that there's going to be no plays in because there haven't been already, and that's that's the point I'm trying to make. But really. there's no there's no there's no background to back your arguments up to say that it's going to happen. We need we, we just on it before, then we need four. Can you make a case for a left back, a centre back? A winger and arguably a forward coming through. Can you make a case that we haven't done no business whatsoever and in the space of three weeks we're going to sign four players? But that, I just don't see that logic because there was, there was, a, there was, a, point, there was a point in the window though where nobody had made any signings. And but now we're one or two teams that haven't, no? Three. Is it Burnley and Tottenham still? Yeah, yeah. I thought Burnley made a sign. I didn't think they had. But. Well, anyway, <laughs> obviously one of very few that have and seen as that we've got a new director of football and a new manager sold a lot sold some players we need play I'm not just saying sound players because it's like the, the Sky Sports transfer we've got to get players in we want to see the videos what I'm saying is that we need a left back we need a centre back we need a left winger and we need a forward yeah but as you've touched on there like we've got a new director of football we've got a new manager like surely it's going to take time for them to come in and assess the like let's be honest the absolute mess that they've been left in front of them they've got to try and I guess sit that, down work them. hard and try and repair what what has been going on like they're trying to shift players on massive wages out the door as much as they're trying to get players into the club at the minute so i think so like, do you think the main focus has been on getting players out rather than in and i think it probably should have been yeah. like, to, to to get to get players like to name a few, like the likes of Ashley Williams, Kevin Morales, maybe even Sandra Ramirez, who's on massive wages. Like, 
try and shift those kind of players out the door as well as bringing the players in. And I think now it's just come to the point where we we've still got over a month to get the players out. Like the, we can still yeah, get, get them out in, until yeah. the thirty first of August to different leagues across across Europe. But so how many players would you say we need then? Add roughly, I'd say four. Four, four quality it? players, though, like they need to be. I think it it doesn't matter when when you bring the players in. It's all about the quality of player that you bring in. And like you I, I'd have four quality players in on deadline day, to be honest. And do you reckon that'll happen in the next twenty days? I'm confident. I'm confident in Silver and Brand, yeah. Do you feel? Do you think them four players will come through the door? Yeah. Ask me the same question in a week's time, and nothing's happened, or there's been no obvious movement. I might change my mind. Mm. Um, it's very difficult, and ultimately, the assessment and the analysis of this transfer window will come on August the tenth, or whatever it is. You know, after we, you know, or then at the end of the month when we've we've got rid of players, it, we have to buy players. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's not not up for debate. We have to buy players, and as we've spoken about, there are absolutely key positions that need addressing. Mm-hmm. But also, we need patience, don't we? Because it's clearly been a, a, a almost a perfect storm of a transfer window new chief exec new manager new director of football new jobs at board level a world cup mm-hmm. and everybody under the sun knowing everton need to buy and need to sell mm-hmm. so the ball is not in everton's court unfortunately on so many potential deals because the buying clubs can just say no we'll just wait we'll just hold out We'll just hold out till late, get the lad on loan. You, you want to get rid of him, you want to get half his wages off the bill. We'll just wait till August the 31st, we don't mind. Buying clubs, like with Celtic, they want top whack for Tini, that's their prerogative. Everton have expressed an interest and they're not budging. So Everton have to walk away. So I can make an argument for, I take that point on board, it's a good point. Chelsea brought their manager in last week. Within a day later, player through the door, 50 million. But Ch- it was Chelsea, a player that Ch- he's had at Napoli and you still signed well Chelsea aren't, aren't operating as far as we were aware of a policy of we paid absolutely the asking price for every player under the sun last, last summer we're not doing that now Chelsea paid top whack for Jorginho didn't they mm. yeah mm-hmm. I don't think Everton are prepared to just go and meet the asking price just to get him in mm-hmm. now you can argue the merits of that whether that's right or wrong but I think the problems of last summer and paying the top whack for Klassen and the jury still being out on a number of players other than Pickford that we paid top whack for means that the football club are having to be far more prudent. <laughs> I, I, I think how low do you go? Well, go down well, it's, it's, it's just, just going to be a middle ground. Well, it's, a, it's a give and take situation, isn't it? Like we, came, we we went and paid top whack for all these players last summer and we got the business done pretty early in the window for most mm. of it. Well, Sigurdsson aside, yeah, that was yeah, a bit yeah. of a saga. But that that would have got done early, but whatever. Exactly, yeah. but the likes of Keane, Pickford, Class, and they were Rooney, Sandro, they were, yeah. all, they were all through the door pretty soon in that yeah. window. So, and... You know that's that's not particularly worked out well, and I think it just comes back to the, it's all about the quality of player. Oh yeah, immediately. Yeah. It, it, like, and I think as well, because ultimately it really has been a focus to get rid rid of players, reduce his squad. Everton aren't going to sanction. Yeah, just go and buy the players on whatever wages they want. Go and buy them now. We'll get them to worry about shipping players out later because you run the risk of actually starting the season with a bigger squad. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But three have gone. Yes. Have gone. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 the concern is, I take both points on board. Very good arguments for the worry is is that if we can't meet the valuation of what the teams expect, like Kieran Tierney, for example, twenty five million, I get that on board. 
But what do we value? What's that middle ground where we can't keep on saying, well, we paid, we got ripped off last season, so we're not going to go there again. What about January? How long are we going to keep bringing I, this argument up? So that's the ult- worry for me. Ultimately, I think that comes down to the football club getting their heads together, brands, the chairman, Farhad and Marco, and agreeing on a valuation for the targets and going, we ain't going a penny over. This is what we think he's worth, target number one. If we can get it done at that, great. If not, we go to target number two. And, and, not, target... and not and not accepting players just for the sake of it. So do you think it's a case of where we're at right now? Because there's three weeks left and we haven't signed anyone. Do you think it's like we're on to target two and target three and we're thinking, these teams aren't budging. What do we do now? I mean, certainly in the case of Kieran Tini, you know, it's been made clear that Everton walked away. With Yeri Mina, I think Barcelona and the player maybe aren't entirely certain what they're going to do. You don't force and push Barcelona into doing anything quick. Yeah. You know, talk about the ball not being in Everton's court. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's Barcelona. Yeah. Um, as for other things, it always feels like it's a domino effect and a knock-on effect. There hasn't been a huge amount of business done in the Premier League. I know every what, how many clubs, 17 clubs have done business, yeah. three haven't. Things are going to start moving. They're going to have, there's going to be that domino effect. Everything's going to knock each other on. You know, City will start doing more. Chelsea will start doing more. Mm. And so the pieces of the jigsaw naturally, because let's you know we have to be honest in terms of where we are in the food chain, we're not at the City yeah. Chelsea. So that's when players become available. I think, but not it? everyone's got an unbalanced team like Everton has, and mm. that's the problem. But I, yeah, everyone knows it as well. I know. Yeah. Well, this is this is you know without putting too crude a point on it, this is why Marcel Brands is being paid what he's being paid. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is the job he's got to do, him and Marco mm. together. And it's not an easy job. And this is why he's, he's coming with a reputation, a well-earned reputation of finding value for money, mm. doing things right. And He's got three weeks to back that up. Well, though. yeah. Well, he would argue he's got a three-year contract to back that up. <laughs> Football waits for no man. Well, Marcel is not a man I don't think he, he is rushed. I think he's, you know, from what I know of him and... He's, he's an exact, exacting kind of guy, and he'll have a, he'll have a plan, and he'll stick to it. And if he believes it's right, he'll do it. That doesn't mean to say that he's not malleable, and mm, yeah, yeah. But you know, they've got a game plan, so to speak, and 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 they obviously feel that given the problems that we've had over the last two seasons and the money that's been wasted, got to tighten this ship up and do things right. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it is, and we'll, we'll see. Um, as we say, just under three weeks to go, and. Uh, games in the middle of there preparing for a, a new league season which we kind of forget about because the focus understandably is on uh, on new players and, and getting rid of players but thank you very much for listening to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer stick with the echo uh, I'll be out in Portugal this weekend so uh, I'll provide you all the news reaction analysis from the two games against Lille and Porto and then uh, hopefully hopefully also provide some uh, transfer news as well but thank you very much for listening and uh, thanks again The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.